Welcome to Caring on the Go, your exclusive access to the latest news and commentary from the current issue of Caring for the Ages, the official newspaper of AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine. Support for this podcast is brought to you by U.S. Post-Acute Care. Have you joined AMDA's new initiative called Drive to Deprescribe, Optimizing Medication Use in PALTC? Learn more at paltc.org slash drive, the number two, deprescribe. And now here's your host for Caring on the Go, Dr. Wayne Saltzman. Welcome to Caring on the Go. Caring on the Go, a member of the AMDA on the Go podcast series, spotlights articles and stories from the AMDA, the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine's news magazine, Caring for the Ages. We welcome Caring for the Ages Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Elizabeth Gaelic, to discuss some key articles from the combined August and September 2021 issue, including a theme around assisted living, saying goodbye to an icon, and research on racism. Dr. Gaelic is a nurse practitioner in long-term care and community-based settings through a clinical practice with Shepherd Pratt Health System. She's a professor at the University of Maryland School of Nursing, where she teaches in the Adult Gerontology Primary Care Nurse Practitioner Program and conducts research to improve care practices for older adults with dementia and their caregivers in long-term care. Dr. Gaelic, welcome back to another episode of Caring on the Go. Thanks so much, Wayne. Thrilled to be here today. Dr. Gaelic, the August-September combined issue in 2021 uh, of caring focuses around assisted living. As always, I would like to start our discussion with your caring collaborative editorial. And as has become standard, you write a personal and palpable narrative around your experiences in assisted living facilities over a number of years. You comment on their variety of settings, affordability challenges, the culture, and feeling like home, as well as the variable access to medical care. What led you to highlight this topic in this issue of caring now? Lead us through your thoughts. Sure. Well, um, in our uh, planning sessions with the editorial advisory board, we try to come up with some topics that are of interest to the readership and assisted living um, was one of the ones on the top of the list. Uh, and I think that really is because assisted living is growing. Um, you know, they've, assisted living facilities have been around 40 plus or minus years or so. Mm-hmm. And we know that um, in the United States right now, there are about 30,000 assisted living facilities and it provides care and services for 800,000 residents. So, so there were a couple of themes um, that, that I noticed um, in my practice in assisted living, and one of them being um, that there's a lot of variety in assisted living. And it's, I think, one of its strengths because um, there are fewer regulatory requirements to meet compared to skilled nursing facilities and nursing facilities. Assisted living communities um, can be quite different. So there are some that we often standardly picture that are these kind of large facilities where there's more apartment style living. There are some assisted livings in continuing care retirement communities. And there are others that um, if you didn't know they were there, you might not know they're there. Um, They're in communities in um, small um, 
uh, ranchers uh, often because things are on one level. And we know that about half of assisted living communities are these smaller communities that make up um, a, with 26 or less beds in them. Um, and the thing that's nice is you get to choose what works best um, for uh, the resident, whether it's more apartment style living or one of these smaller facilities that tends to have um, really uh, quite good uh, resident to caregiver ratios um, and can provide a little more structure uh, and a little more supervision for those who may need that. Mm. There's also um, some specialty care programs like um, memory, memory care, we're seeing um, those pop up all over the place. And so I think having this variety is a good thing for the consumer. Mm -hmm. the, the other trend um, is that assisted living has always really been focused on trying to be as home-like as possible, um, whatever that means for the individual. And so, um, you know, again, because of the less regulations and the fact that they're regulated at the state, they tend to have more um, personal furniture. They are more likely to welcome pets and their daily schedules tend to be a little less regimented than what we might see in a nursing facility. And so that's mm -hmm. another attractive option. Mm -hmm. We do have um, some challenges that I think we're, we're facing. One is the affordability challenge. Um, the median monthly rate for assisted living in the U.S. is around $4,000. And then there's often these a la carte menus where um, uh, patients and residents and families may have to pay additional fees depending on services. Right. And so, um, you know, I, I would think in the future, ideally, um, some states have Medicaid waiver programs, but if more of those opportunities would be opened up, I think um, it would become a uh, a more diverse setting as well. So if there were more availability of public funds. Mm -hmm. And then last, um, which we'll talk about some more in, in our next article, really the variable access to medical care. Right. Um, some assisted livings don't have registered nurses that are there on a regular basis. They have more of a, a, a delegated nurse model. And, you know, as we mentioned, um, you know, they may, may or may not have on-site medical care and most don't have medical directors. Yeah, the ever discussion of the social versus medical model that is uh, really becoming pervasive across the country. Yeah. Mm. So let's get to that uh, that next article. Uh, it's a front page article in the August September combined issue 2021 of Caring, which is authored by uh, one of the staff writers, Joanne Caldy, um, and it talks about Dr. Sarah Howd, uh, who is the Society for Postcute and Long Term Care Medicine Assisted Living Subcommittee Chair. Uh, and she shares her views, as, you, as you've alluded, to assisted living facilities. And, and as you quoted her, the quote that also very much stood out to me was, if you've seen one assisted living facility, you've seen one assisted living facility. So uh, in her article, what are some of the opportunities and some of the challenges that she and her committee are facing as they look at what to make of and support the assisted living facilities of today? and those into the future. Thanks, Wayne. I know um, everyone's excited to have um, her leadership and all the involvement of all the committee members. Um, it's quite a diverse group in terms of experience, 
Um, and so uh, we're looking forward to good things coming out of that committee. Mm. Some of the items they're going to be working on that she mentions in the article is um, about advocating for more on-site medical care. Um, so having things available for residents at the assisted living rather than having the model where families or staff at the facility have to transport um, assisted living residents out to um, alternative locations for their medical care. And I know that um, the Home Care um, Providers Association is actually has a lot of um, practices and, and um, members that have the um, kind of a combined practice of home care, as well as going into some of these smaller assisted living facilities in particular. Mm. Um, and so that gives some opportunity for the future. Dr. Um, Howd also spoke about the importance of um, really trying to provide infection prevention and control education in the assisted living area right. and, uh, you know, really needing to make that outreach. Um, she also spoke about um, bringing telemedicine more into assisted living. We saw mm -hmm. that that happened more in the pandemic mm -hmm. um, because initially there were, are fewer on-site medical providers. And so a lot of residents in assisted living who had uh, were suspected of having COVID were being sent out and right. overwhelming the system. And so she talked about how telehealth um, was really um, a helpful tool uh, to have providers seeing patients in those settings. Mm. And, you know, then lastly, she talks about some of the challenges related to transitions of care, um, particularly working with our uh, hospital colleagues, acute care colleagues, um, because they may not fully appreciate some of the differences between assisted living and long-term nursing facilities and trying to make it clear kind of what services uh, can be provided in assisted living. Lots to do in a wonderful article by uh, Joanne Caldy. And as you're talking, I can't help but think that uh, I'm going to have the touch base with Dr. Howd, hopefully in person sooner than later, and get her on an AMTA on the go podcast. So thank you for putting that into my, into my brain. And now a word from our sponsor, U.S. Post-Acute Care. Let's talk for a minute about goals of care conversations. Now more than ever, post-acute clinicians should initiate these discussions with their patients. At U.S. Post-Acute Care, our clinical team is committed to regular goals of care conversations with each seriously ill patient. We help our patients to think through their goals and express what's most important to them. Now we can develop a care plan that aligns with their goals and their values. Using a technique first developed by Ariadne Labs, these structured conversations have shown meaningful improvements in the quality, cost, and effectiveness of care. Our chief medical officer, Dr. Kevin Henning, is highly committed to making the goals of care conversation a foundation of effective care for our clinical team. At US Post-Acute Care, that's what we think. Now we'd like to know what you think. You can reach us at uspostacutecare.com or on LinkedIn, and Dr. Henning will be happy to respond. Thanks for listening. So, Dr. Gaelic, um, you know, as, as someone, you know, myself who has always been dedicated to uh, facilitating transitions, this transition is a tough concept for me to fathom, that 12 years of 
the Dear Dr. Jeff columns are coming to uh, an end. Front page uh, story in the combined August-September 2021 uh, issue um, about Dr. Jeff. You know, how can we celebrate his contributions to caring for the ages uh, as well, of course, to our, to our society? Joanne Colley also writes about uh, the past, the present, and the future in this, uh, in this article of the Dr. Jeff uh, column. Um, give us a high-level overview uh, around this tribute to Dr. Jeff Nichols and share with us, if you can, your thoughts about this AMDA icon moving on. Well, I have to tell you, Wayne, um, when I first became an AMDA member, gosh, I think it was back in 2003 or 2004, um, I would get the uh, Caring for the Ages. And one of the things that I enjoyed reading the most ever since that time was the Dear Dr. Jeff column, hmm. because it was, um, as many of the interviewees indicated, um, like having a wise mentor with you. Right. You know, and that he really, uh, Dr. Jeff really provided some humor, but he did it in an authentic fashion and, um, you know, kind of shared wisdom that either confirmed your practice or gave you tips of how you could do better. Um, and so it, when I did my interview uh, for, uh, to become editor for Caring for the Ages, um, they asked me what I regularly read and uh, enjoyed being able to describe um, my appre great appreciation for the Dear Dr. Jeff column. And that mm -hmm. has been something that's kind of kept me coming back. Um, I also loved, because um, I have a couple history buffs in my family, and Dr. Jeff is also a history buff, and yeah. I would love how he would incorporate um, history about long-term care or about different medical issues into his article so that you really felt like you were um, well-informed. Um, he's, he's really going to be a, a, a tough act to follow. I know he um, picked up the column from... Um, Dr. Uh, Dr. Dave. Yep. Um, and um, so, sorry, time. <laughs> <laughs> I know he picked up the column from uh, Dr. Dave. That's right. And, uh, you know, kind of took it and really made it, made it his own. And um, it was hard when I, when I received the email telling me that he was planning to uh, uh, not retire from practice, but right. retire from, uh, the, the article. He's yeah. continuing to practice on an outpatient basis, but is not going to be um, in terms of geriatrics, but felt that it really needed to be somebody who was, you know, in the post-acute um, long-term care mm. setting. So what's the plan? So we do, our, we're going to have a dear Dr. Steve. Yeah. Um, and, um, you know, we've talked with him and he's um, excited about the opportunity and is going to keep the format um, really kind of similar, but, you know, bring his own um, knowledge in terms of uh, uh, regulatory issues to this, as well as practical clinical issues. The, the other thing that uh, Dr. Levinson um, does a great job with is also history. So I think we'll still maintain, um, you know, that fun part of um, kind of completing the column with a little historical perspective as well. 
Steve Levinson absolutely has a lot to teach us. It's wonderful to have a, a past president uh, in this role. The, the writings you read, that is the man. That's the man you sit and you talk with. So um, uh, at the next meeting, if you happen to see Dr. Nichols, you know, pop by and, and, uh, and say hello, and you'll see that uh, the articles you have been reading are truly the man, that man who writes them is standing right there in front of you. So... Uh, uh, and I, I love he he doesn't shy away from controversy. Oh no! And he's no. and he's willing to stick his neck out and have opinion. Yeah. It's it's backed with data, but I you know I think that in a time, um, you know where sometimes it's difficult to to state our opinion because there's lots of different ones. Um, I appreciate someone who you know really is so thoughtful about. Um, all of their responses to the questions. Yeah, definitely a time to cherish for, for sure. So uh, Dr. Gaylock, let's finish with um, our fourth spotlighted article, which is written by uh, staff writer, Christine Kilgore, uh, and focuses actually on an April 2021 article from the Journal of the American Medical Director Association, JAMDA, that documents racial disparities in long-term care as a function of long-standing and pervasive systemic racism. Um, Jamda showed that the post-acute long-term care environment is not immune to this issue, but very much a part of it. An extremely powerful Jamda article. Tell us about Christine Kilgore's review and discussion. She has outlined some issues, but perhaps also a, a sweet spot for action? This JAMDA article was written by the co-editors of JAMDA, uh, Dr. Sloan and Dr. Zimmerman, along with um, several other co-authors who, who assisted with this. And I felt that, you know, it was an April article in JAMDA, but it, it needed more um, attention. And that really was why we wanted to um, highlight it in uh, Caring for the Ages, mm. to just try to uh, really kind of get the word out about the disparities that we were, were seeing in terms of COVID where black residents were um, three times um, more likely to be in facilities that had higher COVID rates than ones that had um, a greater percentage of white or Caucasian residents. Right. And so I think it was important that we were seeing this in COVID, but we've also seen this in situations with pain, um, the, the other disparities include pressure ulcers, um, and unfortunately, you know, that the long-term care facilities can really be a, a segregated system where Black individuals are disproportionately um, living in lower resource, lower quality nursing homes, and some of the regulatory challenges around that where um, facilities have to pay civil money penalties, and then it makes it even more challenging for reform. Mm -hmm. So I, I think some of the ideas in terms of improvement for the future, um, this article does a nice job of bringing those out. So some um, significant reforms would focus on um, trying to reduce the Medicaid-Medicare rate differential. Mm. Um, trying to um, adapt and reform the survey and certification process so that um, nursing facilities that are lower performing or lower resourced 
aren't just asked to improve, but are actually given the tools and the, the resources so that they can do better. Um, and then the other thing that I really liked in terms of the suggestion was trying to professionalize the nursing assistant role more. Yes. Because, I, you know, one of my greatest loves of working in post-acute and long-term care has been the relationships that I've had with some tremendously dedicated nursing assistants who um, make this a career and, um, you know, are there year after year after year and really have a talent for caring for this population and do such wonderful work. And it, it would be lovely if we had um, more opportunities for them so that they could stay in that nursing assistant role if they wanted to, but still advance in terms of, um, you know, financial opportunities and, you know, recognition of their expertise. And the, uh, the uh, Society House of Delegates um, voted on a resolution or two resolutions to do just that. So um, fantastic. Well, <laughs> fantastic. Um, so Dr. Gaelic, uh, while these spotlight articles are, um, are amazing, um, let's not forget the abundance of other amazing information as well in the August, September 2021 combined issue for caring. Um, additional articles on assisted living, including the impact of medications, caring for residents with complex medical needs, supporting a person-centered culture, and the future of assisted living. And I also noted a nice review of the ethical discussions around the voluntary stopping of eating and drinking or V said again, uh, quite the variety of topics you have here. That's the goal. We try to find a little something for everybody. So um, please, uh, your caring for the ages probably entered your inbox. Um, and so please check it out. No, oh, yeah, no, it's there. It is, it, it came today for me. It came today for me too. <laughs> <laughs> Under the leadership of Editor-in-Chief, Dr. Elizabeth Gala, Caring for the Ages continues to review and reflect the wonderful work being done by the Society for Post-Acute and Long-Term Care Medicine leaders, members, and communities. Take a look at the August-September 2021 combined issue. Dr. Gaelic, as always, thank you for spending your time with Caring on the Go. Thanks so much, Wayne. It was, it was great to be with you today, and I'll look forward to when we speak again. Absolutely. References for this podcast can be found at www.caringfortheages.com. Until next time, I'm Dr. Wayne Saltzman for Caring on the Go. Support for this podcast is brought to you by U.S. Post-Acute Care.